So, Terry, you know I'm a movie buff, right? I, I did know that, Shani. You're a horror movie fan? Yes, but I also love action movies. And today, I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite movies, Warner Brothers' 1983 film, I know I'm aging myself a bit, The Fugitive. I'm game. There's this famous monologue in the movie, right after Harrison Ford, who was on his way to prison, escapes custody. This is the Tommy Lee Jones bit? Exactly. His character, a United States Marshal, shows up and lays out the situation for his team. He briefs them on how long the fugitive has been on the run, how far he could have gone, and where he wants them to look for him. Yeah, that's just a great scene. Right? And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because in this episode, we're going to talk about escapees. Fugitives? In a way, I, I guess. Okay, escapee is an acronym. E-S-K-A-P-E-E. -E -E. Made up of the first three letters of the seven most multidrug-resistant bacteria. It stands for Enterococcus facium, Staphylococcus aureus, Klebsiella pneumoniae, Acinetobacter baumannii, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Enterobacter species, and Escherichia coli. Dang, I'm impressed. I'm glad you're the one who had to say all those. I know, say that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not just bringing up the fugitive because of the escapee pun, but I also love that scene for what it tells you about Tommy Lee Jones' character. He understands the chase. He understands his prey. You hear that speech and you know he's competent. Our hero, Harrison Ford, is in trouble. Exactly. You know he's done this before a lot. And that experience has taught him about the people he chases and how to catch them. The doctors and researchers who work on preventing and treating infections from antibiotic-resistant organisms had to know their opponents, too. And that's where Walter Reed Army Institute of Research comes in. I'm Terry Welch, Strategic Communications Director at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, which we call RARE. And I'm Army Captain Shanee Allen, Commander of RARE's Headquarters and Headquarters Company. And this is RARE Science. On this episode of Rare Science, we'll introduce you to the team who created and run Rare's Library of Multidrug Resistant Organisms. We'll show you how they use this repository to track outbreaks in hospitals and help other researchers create the next generation of weapons against these bacteria. Stick with us. They'll make us track you down. Before the beginning of the War on Terror, antibiotic resistance was not a huge problem in the United States military health system. Sure, it occurred, but the most common types of organisms medical teams had to face were things like methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, also known as MRSA. MRSA was, in fact, the leading cause of lower respiratory infections and surgical site infections in the United States and caused many other infections, often picked up by patients in hospitals. But the tide of the fight against MRSA was turning. By one count, in the journal Emerging Infectious Disease in 2007, the number of infections by MRSA, which required hospitalization, more than doubled from 1999 to 2005, but the percentage of people who died from those infections decreased by 30%. And like Tommy Lee Jones at the beginning of the story, doctors and nurses were seeing more of the disease and learning how to beat it. And then there was the war. Afghanistan and Iraq 
were eye-openers for treatment teams because they began to see more and more wounds that were infected with antibiotic-resistant bacteria, especially the bacteria we've mentioned many times before, Acinetobacter pneumoniae, which was so common it earned the nickname Arachibacter. Until it started popping up in wounded soldiers, Acinetobacter had been relatively unknown to the military health system, and once it did, it raised many questions, according to Dr. Emil Lesho, an epidemiologist and infectious disease consultant who, back then, was an army colonel here at Rare. What was happening was the military was getting more and more inquiries as more and more soldiers were getting wounded or, or getting these untreatable infections. And a question that kept on coming up is, hey, how many cases are, are there really of this drug-resistant infection? You know, how? And we realized that we couldn't we couldn't accurately answer that question in, in, in total for the entire military health system. We could only say, well, you know, at Walter Reed last month, we had this many, or at San Antonio in June, we had that many. But, but there was no centralized collection and surveillance system that enabled us to answer that question. As we mentioned in our last episode, medical surveillance is the process of gathering data about the spread and prevalence of problems in order to target interventions and treatments. Not knowing how common the problem of multidrug-resistant organisms was made them harder to fight. As researchers began discussing the problem across governmental agencies, with private hospital systems, and in academia, it became clear the military was a particular blind spot for this information. The CDC had some data about how widespread antibiotic-resistant organisms were for soldiers when they were at home here in the States and getting treated locally, but wounds on the battlefield and inside military hospitals weren't counted on a large scale. How to do that was a huge sticking point. In the middle of this discussion, Dr. Lesho, again, then Colonel Lesho, was deployed to Iraq, where he saw the situation field hospitals were dealing with firsthand and had an idea. I, I had been deployed from rare. I reached back to my colleagues and my, you know, and my, my bosses back at rare. I said, hey, how about some help here? If, if you send me some supplies, I could send you some samples and you could, you know, we could help each other. That was kind of like a pilot study. And that pilot study showed that with the right amount of logistics and support that you could push certain supplies far forward on the battlefield, you could, you could help that way. So we were able to do surveillance studies in, in a hospital right on the Iran-Iraq border. This humble pilot study was the beginning of a way of doing business at RARE, which eventually led to the creation of RARE's multi-drug-resistant organism repository and surveillance network, which was called the MRSN. The MRSN is a library of antibiotic-resistant bacteria that has grown into the answer to the question, what type of organisms are we seeing in the military health system, and how common are they? It starts with collecting samples. Let's just say Terry Welch goes out and is in a car accident or, you know, is injured on the battlefield, has a wound, that wound gets infected. The providers get a culture of that and they isolate some bacteria. The bacteria comes out of the diagnostic machine right there in the treatment facility as having the qualities that we're interested in, highly resistant and difficult to treat, or part of a cluster of like, hey, this is the this is the 10th case of this we saw in three days. What's going on here? So that sample from Terry Welch is sent back to the rare, the central repository where it's regrown and re reanimated, if you will, 
and it goes through a whole characterization of all kind of drug tests and genetic tests. But in addition, all of Terry Welch's clinical information goes back with it. So what sort of information does Rare get exactly? First of all, they get the sample itself, which is the bacteria found in a wound that has been separated from the other microbes which are naturally found there. For example, the kind that are supposed to be in that place in the body. That bacterial sample is called an isolate. Then, connected to that by a code, is a medical record which identifies everything from the types of treatments the patient received to the places where they occurred. So they take the sample and analyze that to get its genetic code. Right. And what they end up with at the end of all of that analysis is a long list of letters. A, C, T, and G. They make up the genome of the bacteria. These are letters standing for adenine, cytosine, thymine, and guanine, the basic building blocks of DNA. It's like a book. This is Dr. Francois Lebreton, the director of bioinformatics at the MRSN. His team is responsible for reading the millions of letters long books of bacterial genomes and using that information to identify similarities. And you would compare all the letters in one book to all the letters in the others, and you'll be able to rapidly tell, well, this book is identical to the other one. And if not identical, this book is different by that many letters. And based on that, we can tell you, well, patient A and patient B share the same isolate. They likely come from a transmission event or not. Of course, to rapidly compare these books, the MRSN's informatics team had to design their own software. After all, the genome of one type of pseudomonas, aeruginosa, is 12.6 million letters long, all by itself. That's longer than all of the Harry Potter books, all of the Lord of the Rings, including The Hobbit, War and Peace, Little Women and Moby Dick, combined. The MRSN's database has more than 60,000 genomes on file. Now, before we get too deep into how all this information is used, let's draw a picture in listeners' minds of what they would see if they stepped into the MRSN. First, you would see racks of freezers with cryovials, which contain the isolates themselves. The MRSN has collected more than 100,000 isolates in these freezers. After that, in another space, you would see stack upon stack of hard drives with all of those genomes on them. And all of these are connected to the patient treatment data we talked about before. You may remember Dr. Patrick McGann from our first episode. He's the deputy director of the MRSN, and he says putting all this information into a single database allows them to draw some pretty important conclusions for the military health system. We're able to use that to compare one bacteria to another. So you can compare the entire genetic sequence of one bacteria to another one, and you're able to tell how related those bacteria are. And you can even go so far as to say how far in the past they diverged, where they came from, um, how likely it was that this was transmitted from person to person, or how likely it was that it was picked up from a surface, or how unrelated they are. These, these bacteria have no relation. So we do that, uh, we get about 1,000 to 1,500 bacteria every month. Um, we sequence all those and we turn around uh, reports to the military healthcare system, letting them know of potential outbreaks that might be occurring. And those reports are only the beginning of how the MRSN provides support to the military health system and the service members and family members it serves, says Dr. Le Breton. The way that this information is then used is that we will try to look for patterns of commonalities between the patients. 
outside of the sharing the same strain. And that pattern can be that the patient uh, underwent the same procedure at the same time, or that pattern could be that a set of 20 patients have all spent some time in a given ward in a hospital. And based on those patterns, the staff at the various MTF, if they desire so, can do environmental sampling in the hospital and send us those swabs that we will process at the MRSN, uh, extract the DNA, and sequence those environmental swabs. And it is not infrequent that we can detect the exact same strain that has been infecting patient from sites that the hospital has uh, swabbed to identify environmental contamination. One case come to mind is Acinetobacter bomani that in a given hospital spread over 60 days through seven patients. At day uh, 70 or so, we indicate to the MTF that a sink in that ward is contaminated. This was two years ago, we have not seen that clone again. And so this is an example of how you can do a real tangible practical difference by monitoring the transmission using genomics and translating that into the real world of giving specific information on where to decontaminate. This ability to quickly analyze and respond to outbreaks across the broad global network of the military health system has, according to Dr. McGann, made the military healthcare system one of the best at fighting multi-drug resistant organisms in the world. There's nothing on the scale or scope of what we do that's available in the civilian sector. So um, you can imagine there's small networks. So there's a little network, for example, in San Diego who do this. You know, among a small number of hospitals, there is a lab that will do this for three or four hospitals in the network. Um, but even then, it's not to the same degree they'll do on a reactive basis. So again, like I said, they're waiting for the hospital to tell them, hey, we think we have an outbreak, can you look into this? They're not actively looking for outbreaks. They're responding to outbreaks that are already ongoing and that the hospital is aware of. The CDC does have a group similar to the MRSN called the Antibiotic Resistance Laboratory Network, however, which is designed to help regional health systems with local community outbreaks. It was founded in 2016, though, seven years after the MRSN. It's not a competition, Shindy. I'm just saying. In fact, the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, and RARE are all part of the Task Force for Combating Antibiotic-Resistant Bacteria, or CARB, which includes members from eight different executive branches, from the State Department to the Department of Agriculture. Talk more about that in our final episode. In our next episode, we're going to dive into the research being done to create new ways to fight multi-drug resistant organisms, including the enlistment of the tiny little monsters you see on our logo every time you listen to this podcast. Rare Science is hosted by Terry Welch and me, Captain Shanee Allen. It's produced by Terry Welch and Samir Deshpande. 
rare science is a product of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, commanded by Colonel Chad Koenig, and the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, commanded by Brigadier General Tony McQueen. Special thanks today go out to Rochester Regional Health, where Dr. Lesho now works. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and join us again in two weeks. Thank you.